Hello, it's your host, Kat Walsh, and you're listening to another episode of Trip On This. This podcast is for mature audiences and is not suitable for young children. Trip On This is intended for entertainment purposes only, and we do not condone the use of illegal substances. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Trip On This. It was so much fun speaking with my next guest, Riley Cote. Riley was a former professional hockey player. He played eight years of professional hockey, four of which were for the NHL, playing for the Philadelphia Flyers as an enforcer. Now, I don't know a lot about hockey, so I was, of course, asking him tons of questions about what it meant to be an enforcer, how he would hype himself up for that role, and just yeah, talk about it from a headspace, how he got into it. Just for those who don't aren't as familiar with hockey like I wasn't, the enforcer is basically the strong man on the team. He's the one getting in the fights. So I had many questions to ask him on that front, especially because the juxtaposition to who he is today. He's a yogi. He's into mindfulness, spirituality, health and wellness. He's got his own company called Body Check Wellness that focuses on hemp-derived cannabinoids as well as medicinal mushroom blends. He's working a lot with Wake Networks on the growth and the cultivation and the research for psilocybin mushrooms. So he is doing tons of cool stuff in this space. I love talking to him about the journey of going from fights every night in the headspace you have to be in to then kind of coming back into this place of wholeness and centeredness and, you know, from a state of peace instead of having your adrenals kind of shot every night, your your, uh, central nervous system going like that. So this is just a fun conversation. We talk about it all. We talk about hockey. We talk about spirituality. We talk about healing. It's a lot of fun. I think you guys will enjoy it. A few things before the episode begins. If you're not following me on socials, please do so. I'll link it all in the copy of this episode. And of course, if you are enjoying this episode, please share it out with your friends and family, any hockey fans out there. It is so helpful for me to grow this podcast and get it out to the world. And with that, please enjoy this next episode with Riley Cote. Riley Cote, welcome to Trip On This. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So first, let's talk a little hockey. You played professional hockey for eight years four of which with the NHL, you were at the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm a Villanova Wildcat, as I just mentioned, so go Flyers. And you were known as an enforcer on the team. All right, so I'm not going to even pretend to know a lot about hockey right now, so I'm just going <laughs> to hope you can kind of take us through this a little bit. So my first question for you is, what is an enforcer in hockey and what does that role entail? Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, interesting role and it's it's a role that doesn't really exist uh, in the hockey world anymore, which is a designated tough guy in the sense of a guy that's on the team specifically to take care of business, meaning, you know, having to go out there and fight, um, fight guys that are taking liberties on, uh, on, you know, my team, on my teammates and, or if there's a need for some sort of increased energy spark, whatever you want to call it. Um, and just, uh, you know, being a pre- physical presence there and, and essentially self-policing. Wow. So uh, I, I took on that role when I when I turned pro at 20. 
previous to that, I, you know, was more of a actual hockey player versus just sitting in the penalty box and being a meathead. But oh, um, man. yeah, there, there was a, there was a role. There was a role for a long period of time. I mean, you mentioned the Philadelphia Flyers and your understanding of maybe the broad street bullies back in the seventies of winning two Stanley cups of by essentially bowling the opponent, you know, out muscling the opponent. And that was a legitimate strategy for years. And now, now, now days the game has changed a lot where it's, it's much more focused on skill and they're really trying to remove the fighting because they love to just blame all concussions on fighting, which you know, only 4% of all concussions come from fighting. Right, right. But there was an element of peacekeeping respect, you know, that, that bred accountability. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, fortunately it's out of the game now. Yeah. How did every team at that time essentially have an enforcer? Was somebody always kind of designated as that guy on the, on the team? hundred percent. And and most teams carried two or three of them, you know, like there was, there was games I can remember to be like, Oh, going through the list. I'm like, geez, I'm, you know, fight that guy. I have to fight that guy and fight that guy. But yeah, every team had a legitimate heavyweight, if not two, potentially a couple middleweights. Like there was, there were stacked. There were some teams Damn. really, really tough. Yeah. So now it's, there's still fighting in the game, but there's not really a designated fighter, if, if, right, if that makes right. any sense. It's really more spontaneous type of fights that happen through just emotional play. You know, now more than ever, there's more cheap shots, more concussions now more than ever, you know. And I'd like to believe that it's because of the lack of self-policing and breeding that respect and accountability. People argue against it, but, you know, it's, yeah. I, I've, li I've, I've lived the role and understand from experience the power of accountability and keeping someone in check and holding someone accountable for their actions and it's did, pretty powerful yeah how did you get into the role like were you always drawn to that does the team is the team part of you becoming the enforcer is that something that you step up you're like i want to i want this role essentially yeah it was all me it was me just making i say a sacrifice so it's, it's more like I wanted to play in the NHL so bad. It was my childhood childhood dream. Yeah, I, I was ne never a fighter growing up. You know, I just loved playing hockey. I loved the creative element of playing hockey. But I realized not being drafted that uh, I needed to do something a little bit different to get noticed and, you know, really try and use my physical body to to take on this role. So it was my decision. No mm -hmm. one told me to do it. No one, you know, uh, expected it out of me. This was my own personal doing. I was a competitive guy by nature, just, to, you know, sure. just straight up competition. You know, I wanted it bad, but I also, you know, in my mind, I believed in myself enough, like I could figure this thing out and, yeah. and, and tackle this. And there was obviously some trial and error, you know, from <laughs> not being a fighter to becoming a fighter. I was yeah. fighting 30, 35 times a year. And I was just going after the biggest guy and the guy with the most penalty minutes and just, you know, kind of, learn how to fight and learn how to play the role because there was a lot of timing involved. Like, you know, there was really a, it's just supposed to be a selfless act versus a selfish act. And, you know, I got caught up sometimes doing it selfishly, you know, for myself and my ego. Nonetheless, there, there, there was a timing element of it mm -hmm. as well as obviously fighting a certain type of guy that was expected taking on that role. So once I accepted that role, took on that role personally, the teams now expected that out of me sure. um, to answer your question. So it wasn't like they, they, you know, signed me and said, this is your role. Like yeah, they yeah, signed yeah. me as that role. They brought me in to do that. So, you know, I, I, I was accepting of it. Obviously I signed up for it and yeah. I was, I was hungry and I was willing and, you know, I was a gamer, you know, how so. did you, how did you psych yourself up mentally? You said you weren't a fighter before. So that wasn't like a natural instinct. So was it the love of hockey, the love of the game? How did you kind of, were you able to like get in that headspace? You're like, all right, I'm going to probably get in a fight tonight. 
<laughs> you know? Well, uh, a lot of stimulants, <laughs> a lot of coffee, a lot of Sudafed, you know, some other bullshit stuff I was uh, putting in my body because it's not a natural state, right? Yeah. I mean, fighting isn't it isn't really a normal state of mind to be in. It's kind of a fight or flight, right? So yeah. you either pick one of the two. So, you know, fighting for a UFC fighter boxer, they're fighting, you know, two, three, four times max a year. So there's this like 90 day prep and then there's mm-hmm. a fight. Yeah. You know, in the world that I was in, it was, you know, 82 game seasons where you could fight, you could you could legally fight three times a game. Holy you shit. Know, you could fight every single game. You could fight three times a game if you, you know, if, if you're able to actually pull that off. So there was this, I was in this constant state of anxiety, you know, it was in the middle of fight or flight. I knew I was going to have to fight most nights. It's like okay. I was prepared to fight, but, uh, you know, unlike a UFC fight or boxing match where the bell rings at, you know, 10 PM and ding, 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 you're in the ring. And this is when the fight starts. I didn't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, well, when's this fight going to start? You know, how is this fight? How is this fight going to start? So there's a lot of like emotional stuff and mind trickery going into it. So I just had to jack myself up as po- much as possible, expecting to fight and kind of knowing probably who I was going to fight, you know, go through the list, probably top three of those heavyweights I was talking about, those fighter guys and seeing how the game developed. A lot of times I was just like, I want to get this fight out of the way. At least one of these fights out of the way, right out of the gate. So I would like actively go looking for a fight, my first shift wow. of the hockey game. Wow. Um, but yeah, a lot of stimulants and just jacking myself up into this, into the state of uh, all I, all I was, was a fighter at that point. I almost ignored the hockey game mm. to, to a fault where it was just like, I say to a fault. I think, I think part of it actually allowed me to be this, this, this kind of crazy warrior type of guy. But I look back on my career and I was like, if I got to change one thing, I would have focused on actually playing hockey a little bit more instead yeah. of embodying this absolute meathead uh, role that I took on to a point where I just like ignored the hockey game and it was just out there like yeah acting crazy yeah but you know what like it's hard to it's hard to say I mean obviously only you know in hindsight but when you're going out and putting yourself into like a physical fight the adrenaline the what that entails like look you there is it's it, it's probably hard to keep a balance, like you're saying, like a balance between hawking this because there is a fight or flight. You are literally putting yourself into an altercation, looking for it. So yeah, I mean, when you're in a state of high anxiety like that, it feels very hard to find that balance. And I, it sounds incredibly tough. And it sounds like obviously you are a very important part of the team. I wanted people to hear this and listen to this because I love the juxtaposition now of who you are, you, you're, you've got an incredible spiritual life, you are into mindfulness, and you're a yogi, you know, you've gone from getting into these fights to this man today. Can you talk to us about what that journey looked like? You know, it's, it's interesting. And it wasn't, it wasn't by design when I first retired. So in 2010, I was 20 years old, another year in my contract with the Flyers. And I was, I think I was emotionally beaten down, spiritually worn out. You know, I think, you know, people that understand this, this, you know, this chronic state of anxiety, I think military veterans and understand it and probably guys that fight, you know, probably no one else really understands this type of, uh, of being because it's not normal. Yeah. Uh, I was just, I was just drained, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't fulfilled. You know, I was living my childhood dream of playing the NHL, was making more money than I ever made in my whole life. You know, things on the surface seem to be like, oh, this guy's like, you know, happy and got he's got his shit together. And and I really didn't. 
don't get me wrong. I had, you know, I had a great times and some great, great experiences through it all. But, you know, when you talk about like the, 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 the goal of life, the purpose of life is to really find joy in what you do and find happiness and feel well. Right. And I, and I wasn't uh, doing and living any of those. So 2010, 28, and I'm on my, um, I had year of my contract going to the off season. I I was dealing with some substance abuse issues, partying a lot, a lot of drinking, a lot of extracurriculars, you know, staying up way too late and, you know, not getting proper rest and all these things that are like anti-athlete, right? Mm -hmm. Anti-recovery, anti-regeneration. So that last season that I played, I had two, two, two surgeries at the end of the year, one on my finger that I dislocated my finger in a fight and then my nose <laughs> still, still not fixed, <laughs> but nonetheless, it was my second nose surgery, but proved, I was trying to prove to myself that, that I could, I could use plant medicine and I could avoid prescription drugs and just kind of heal with, with, with cannabis in, the, in, in this time. Uh, Cause I read a book that last year playing, I wasn't playing a whole lot. We got a new coach come in who didn't really see a need for having a guy like me on the team besides being a good team guy and a glue guy, which, you know, I, I was that. Mm-hmm. But I read a book called Hemp for Health, which kind of laid out the whole cannabis plant in its entirety. You know, the industrial applications, fiber, building materials, fuel, you know, uh, the nutritional profile of the hemp seed, as well as the medicinal side, which I was familiar with. They had a relationship with cannabis and, and psilocybin mushrooms, but in a very recreational context, not understanding any science. Mm-hmm. So I, I recognized recognized these you know, minor cannabinoids, like the, the, these 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 parts of uh, the, the cannabis plant that were anti-inflammatory. That the that you heard, learned that the U.S. government held a patent on cannabinoids as neuroprotectants. But it was in that moment that I kind of had this aha moment of like, oh, geez, and like cannabis is legitimate medicine. Like this is like a real pain management and neuroprotecting tool. So I told myself these last two surgeries, I was just going to use cannabis and do this thing all natural so that was like the first step of this like um quest of uh, say holism and embarking on this journey where it gave me the confidence to believe it really is an intuition like having a relationship having having had a relationship with cannabis and psilocybin previous to that was it made a lot of sense for me to kind of lean on these these healing modalities and that was just the starting point yeah. and that was just to get through that hump of like the last surgery without popping more pills that I didn't need to put that's, in my throat and wild. down my body. I was gonna say that's wild that just cannabis was able to help with pain to that degree after a surgery. Whew. I didn't realize yeah. it could be that powerful. Wow. Two of them. I mean nose surgery, which was pretty deep. Like I was like yeah. it was packed, you know, full of all kinds of crap and like it wasn't it was an uncomfortable time. But I proved to myself in that moment that yeah I could I could live without that other world that I'd been, you know, yeah. introduced to and accustomed to. And then I got into nutritional healing and it was like all at the same, kind of the same time. I was like, okay, well, I recognize that food is medicine and, and medicine is food. I was like, oh, what a, what a novel idea, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what is, what a simple concept <laughs> yeah. that mother nature magically puts nutrients and minerals in the food for us to, to heal with. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I went on this, this, you know, this next level healing with, with, with nutrition and it was really more cutting out shit and really focusing on whole foods, right? And just being really aware of, you know, the the the, the type of food I was putting in my body. Food is intelligence, right? It's information. And I started to recognize that. And then, you know, it just, one thing led to another. So now you got, you know, the, the herbal plant-based healing, and then you got, you know, the nutritional healing. And then the, naturally the next progression for me was substituting the heavy lifting that I was doing, right? Taxing the joints, stressing mm-hmm. out the body, 
really more egocentric type of exercise than, yeah. you know, mindful exercise. So I got into yoga and I got into yoga, say, for the, for the, for the wrong reasons. It was, oh yeah, just is, this is physical exercise. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. Cause I always tell people now is if you just get into it just for that reason, you, you'll find these other dimensions of what yoga has to offer. But yeah. the long and short of it is I just like really appreciate obviously the physical exercise that was low impact, but that it was full body, it's core, it's breathing, it's meditation, start to understand the philosophy of yoga and, you know, all these different, essentially, like, you know, moral traits and, you know, all these other things that come along with it. You know, I think most spiritual texts and religious texts talk about these things, but it was kind of like a full body science, full body self-discipline that I could mm. really buy into having being an, an athlete and having a, such a relationship with my physical body, yeah. even though it was an unhealthy one. Uh, yeah. And then, and so that was kind of, you know, the, the progression. And then it was just kind of like practice, right? I mean, life is a practice and, you know, we need a practice and that was landed being my practice. So I was so used to having a hockey practice and having the structure around hockey. And again, it wasn't necessarily around health and wellness or mental wellness or spiritual wellness. It was just around being an athlete, right? Sure. Using a really maximizing the physical body to go out and do a job. So now I was taking kind of what I learned from like my experience in hockey and then, you know, it's kind of tying that into my understandings of life and the physical body and the breath, mm -hmm. you know, meditation, the mind and the whole bit. And then just kind of accelerated my practice through that to the point where I said, I want to get certified to be a, a yoga teacher. Not that I had a real plan on like how I was going to you know, embody that and take that into the world, but just knowing that it was it was necessary mm -hmm. and. And then my, 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 really my goal now is to kind of tie in, you know, the physical body, the physical practice of yoga and to obviously the, the mental and the spiritual, which most people aren't ready for, honestly, yeah. what I've learned, but tying in the, the, the practice of yoga into say psychedelics and, and proper and respectful, mindful cannabis use, which yeah. I don't think it's being taught very well. It's, you know, again, everything is being abused just like anything else in life. And it's just a more overall, overall respect um, yeah. towards life in my body. I would love to thank you so much for that. And you just said something about you don't think that people are ready for the emotional and spiritual and physical alignment. Can you can you unpack a little bit about what you're seeing and where's the block that you're seeing kind of with with people? Is it the is it the emotional? Is it the spiritual? Is it that combination well, of things? Yeah, I, I would say so. I think in the Western world specifically, we love to just like throw everything in a medical box, right? Yeah. We just want to put a, a name on it. And we want to put it into a box and we want to try and heal that one thing. And from my perspective, and this is just my opinion, being a spiritual you know, person on a you know, spiritual path is that all these conditions, you know, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, that's really it lands up being all the same thing. But to me, it's under the, under the guise of, of spirituality, like we're, we become spiritually poor. So naturally, when you're disconnected and you're not dis and you're not connected to well, not even just yourself, you're not connected to your diet, you're not connected to other people, your relationships are suffering, you know, all these different you know, really spiritual things. If you're not connected, well, naturally, you're going to probably have anxiety. You're probably going to have depression. Yeah. You know, if you take it a step further, you might you might have suicidal ideations. But to me, the core issue is lack of connection. Yeah. Lack of love, lack of self-love, starting with that, building outwards, you know? So to me, again, living in this extremely medical world, everyone wants to just like throw it in a box of medical. Let's just like put a name on it so we can treat it with a, you know, with, you know, with a pharmaceutical drug, you know, that's the yeah. model. Yeah. But to me, to me, these medical issues are, are spiritual issues, you know, and, yeah. and they're just the lack of self-respect, self-love, and then they manifest themselves into different disease states. And then we get, we find ourselves chasing our tails of like, how do we treat this? How do we, how do we heal this? 
we're, we're, we're trying to heal like one thing instead of heal the body, the mind and the spirit as a, as a whole. Right. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I, I love that perspective. And I, I actually had a, an, a guest come on recently and talk about that too. And, you know, I'm really, I, because I have a relationship with my body with some joint stuff and I'm, she had asked me, she's like, have you asked like ayahuasca or the mushrooms how to heal? And because it is, and I, I really have recognized like I've created this like from, from an energetic place. Like, what is this? Like, what do I need to release? Like what, because I really do believe that we are so much more connected to that spiritual state. Have you, do you feel that your psychedelic use has connected you further to that spiritual space? 100%. I mean, if not 200%. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge piece of it. Yeah. Because it brings so much awareness and consciousness to daily behaviors, right? Yeah. So sometimes you get, I mean, most of the time people get into these patterns and these daily behaviors and they become unconscious, right? Mm-hmm. Unconscious behaviors. They don't even, they don't even recognize some of the destruction they're creating and some of the, the toxicity that they're bringing in their lives, whether it's food, which they, you know, they're kind of aware, but that doesn't really make you make a whole lot of difference to them. They don't really realize the type of energy they're bringing into to their lives with people and certain relationships, yeah. with alcohol, with you know all these other things, right? They're not mm-hmm. just they're just not aware, so they just go you know go through living this conscious life. But yeah, psychedelics, man. I'll tell you what. I mean, you talk about learning about yourself and learning about like the true self, right? I mm-hmm. mean, like the 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 absolute capital I. I mean, I am the type mm-hmm. type of the self, like yeah. that we're not we're not the, we're, we're not this body. It's a it's an amazing vehicle to get the spirit around, but like it's just kind of like, you know, it's letting go of, of certain identities and, and and you know, letting go. I mean, every again religious text and spiritual text talks about the act of letting go and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really focusing on being more in tune in line with the divine spirit versus the ego. I think that's probably more a conversation around absolute spirituality, not so much religion, but psychedelics. We talk about it a ton. But yeah, I mean, I, I think as far as helping me shed my old identity and, and kind of embark in this new in, a, in this new life without having like what I see a lot of guys struggle with is finding themselves, right? Yeah. Cause there's so much emphasis on the identity of that job, that sport, you know, for me, I was not, not just a hockey player, but I was a fighter, you know, I was yeah. a hockey fighter. So like you talk about like absolute ego, you know, egocentric world I was living in. So I think it helped with like kind of letting go of, um, of, of that old identity and then really focusing on self-love, self-care and all of a sudden having an appreciation building outward. So psychedelics. Yeah, absolutely. And then different, different versions too. Right. Sure. I mean, different, doses for different type of outcomes, you know, going deeper or, you know, pulling it back and and not maybe not going so deep and maybe just becoming a little, just be more aware in like a a normal state or again, the microdose stuff, Mm. but there's all these different dimensions and and they all have different outcomes. That's actually one of my questions. It was later on, but because we're here, I know you talk a lot about microdosing, but where do you feel the the role for my macrodosing and microdosing is like, how have you benefited from both? How have those differentiated for you? You know, like, like kind of like what you're saying at different times for different things. What are you trying to, what are you trying to uncover? Can you, can you talk about that a little bit from like a dosage where you found has helped you? Yeah. You know, they, they both serve their individual purposes, right? I yeah. mean, I highly recommend both, you know, if you're, if you're into that and looking, you know, to, to, to engage in, in 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 the healing space you know what i find is that there's obviously on a macro level there's different dimensions and different rabbit holes you can go down as far as different downloads you know just a, a deeper 
connection with the divine, right? There's really, really more turning inwards in, in those four or five hours, yeah. you know, but um, it's, it always comes back about to, to awareness and consciousness, right? So you're very, very conscious and aware in that four or five, four or five hours. And then it's hard to almost retain some of the downloads, right? It's like, holy, I just got blasted with all this information. It was super powerful, but now I got to go back into my real life and, and practice what I've learned. Right. Yes. And the, and I find like a lot of the, what the, the teachings of a psychedelic experiences are very similar to the philosophy of yoga. You know, and then we would call it integration, right? So because now we got to go back and be be human. We got to actually engage in the practice of being human, which is, you know, managing the physical body and the mind, the thoughts, and, and you know, getting out of the thinking mind and, you know, leading through the heart, you know, more through the heart and being more of an, in the feeling body and stuff like that. And you get into the micro, the micro is more like a daily essential or daily supplement where it would be like, you know, more focused, you know, I, I really am I mean, so, so in tune now that I just like love playing with different energies yeah. and, and, and seeing how it impacts my focus and my awareness. And I think with a micro it really helps you again, bring you back to the, to the present moment, which yeah. again, all spiritual texts and, and everything is talking about there, there is only one moment and that's now, right? Yeah. Now is the only time we have that's being present. I know it gets repetitive. Everyone's like, oh, you have to be present. Just be present. Well, it's well that's what it is. That's what it is. And it is a practice. It is very hard to be present. Like I'm even, I've been really trying to focus on that myself and, and just like simple things like brushing my teeth or washing the dishes. I'm like, can't you just focus? Like stop narrating even like here, even like when I'm trying to be present that I'm like suddenly like here I am washing the dish. I was like, why are you, why are you even talking? Like, what is the voice? Like just to actually be a, still still in presence is who it's not that is a lifelong practice i think it is to, to do and i want to actually 100%. mention with what you were you just triggered something for me with the macro and micro and, and both because so i did a five gram mushroom trip back in may and nice. it was with these and yeah it was the first time i'd ever done that in the dark by myself and it oh, was wow, yeah. yeah it was Great. an it was a, an experience and What's interesting is I haven't done like a, a big dose like that, but recently, like, I don't know, like last weekend, actually, or maybe two weekends ago, I took a just like, I w it was more than a, a microdose, but it was like, you know, it was the weekend and I wanted to have a little, but it was like in actually like a healing. I was actually doing a Reiki. Like I wanted to okay. like kind of combine the two. And what was so interesting is just that little bit of mushroom from that same batch even first of all, was so intense for me, almost, I wouldn't say maybe more intense than the five grams, but couldn't believe the way in which it almost was like the spirit of that same mushroom was working with me. It was almost mm -hmm. as if it, it picked up where I left off. And wow. yeah, and it was really interesting because there was a lot of like lessons and learning in that five gram mushroom trip, as you can imagine. And oh, yeah. just having, I would say I had maybe 0.75, like not even a gram of mushrooms. Oh, wow. And it was like even visually and, and big. And I felt like I was just like right back. Like those same teachers were like back with me. And it's so, it was just such a beautiful compliment to each other to have that really deep experience, to get those kind of downloads. And then to find and pick and pick and choose those times that that those uh, lessons can continue. I don't know. And it, maybe it's because it was like literally the same batch. It honestly felt like the same spirit teacher that was like right back with me. It was really fascinating. Yeah. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I know, and I and, and I and I hear this a lot, honestly. And I think that's why, like, there's a lot of people that would would recommend some sort of microdosing protocol after an experience, yeah. right? It's to kind of like lengthen out the process and mm-hmm. and help you know help you integrate because it is most people aren't living in the present moment. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. you go, go back to like maybe like the four or five core fundamentals of what the psychedelic experience is trying to teach you. It's they're, they're hard to do. Right. I mean, it's like it's like always acting out of a place of love or staying present or, you know, or, or a little bit more self-care, less chatter. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. living through, you know, that, that you know, embodied, you know, heart feeling and, and really living like that versus the, being in the intellect the whole time. Yeah. I find like the microdose regimen, I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be forever, but it does kind of help uh, you gradually help you maybe retain some of that information yeah. or practice that information, maybe. To some degree, I mean, you ate a little bit more than a, a true microdose, but enough where you can, you know, I kind of like playing in that space too, uh, what you're yeah. talking about between like the, the you know, the, the three quarters gram to, you know, a gram and a half type of thing mm-hmm. where it's obviously not as deep, but like, I feel like there's, there's almost more information in the ether where you can almost play with it a little bit more, or maybe yes. you pluck at, pluck at it a little bit more than versus like it's shoving the mushroom, shoving it down your throat. I love, <laughs> you know, I love like, that because I don't, people don't talk about that. People go from like microdose to macrodose. And I'm like, there's, there's a, there's a world in between that. I actually look, I, I like to yeah. say when I say recreational and I'm going to actually make a video about this because, you know, in some ways, sure. Uh, there's been times where I've gone to the beach and I'm like with the friends and I'm like, yeah, let's have like a gram of mushrooms. And we set on our intentions and there's nothing trivial about it. Right. The human connection that I feel of being on the beach and laughing and talking about deeper aspects of life and all of this stuff. And so I actually like that as the. Yeah, like it's both fun for me and also very connecting when I'm with others. And I've I love that idea that you can't because you are absolutely feeling it. If you're taking a gram, gram and a half, you are you're tripping a little bit for sure. You're definitely tripping. And you're right. There is this like you're still you got one foot in one in this world and then you've got one foot in the 5D and you're kind of like, okay, so what do we what do I need to learn here? It actually reminds me of this is probably a little woo woo for people, but when you channel like if you work yeah. with energies and things like that to channel outwardly. So sometimes I'll like vocally channel what I'm hearing. The meditative state is not as deep. So it's, it's actually kind of reminds me of the same thing. So when you're in a really deep meditation and you can actually like not feel your body, I don't know if you felt that where you're like either like almost like floating in space, that's mm-hmm. like very, very deep. But when you're in kind of a channeling space where you're wanting to kind of retain information, but you're still like tapped in. That's actually what it reminds me of is that kind of, yeah, you're in between both worlds. And I think it's a really interesting space to play that I don't think a lot of people talk about. I don't think play is probably the right word. They'd, they'd hit me for that or like slap yeah. me on the wrist, but <laughs> you know you're what right. I mean? It's so true. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it's, it's funny how people operate too, right? And I see this with cannabis where it's kind of like, you know, you associate just any sort of cannabis use with like being absolutely stoned, yeah. right? There's, there's no play in the middle. There's no microdosing THC. There's no just mindful cannabis use. It's just kind of yeah. like all or nothing. And, and, you know, obviously the microdose movement in around psilocybin is kind of opening up the, this this conversation around smaller doses really of anything. Like this could be applied to 
to, to really any substance, right? I mean, caffeine, I mean, you go down the list, food, I mean, it, it really, that, that this, this philosophy is, is very powerful. But, you know, there is, like you just mentioned, like there's, there's so many different dimensions in that middle, that middle ground. And, and what you were, what you were referring to is like that, that really supreme state of consciousness yeah. that, you know, you, when you go really, really deep where you, you, you almost, you, you feel like a shaman or, or whatever that, you know, that word is supreme consciousness, like in the yoga philosophy, it's called Samadhi. It's like the eighth mm. limb of yoga. It's, 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 it's supreme consciousness. It's where you're like the, you know, you're, you're, you're absolutely aware of everything. Like you're yeah. so aware and tune with your environment, but it is a meditative state. Like you're just so aware, but you, and you don't need to do anything. You're yeah. just kind of feeling and downloading and, 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 but you're not thinking you're just like being ultimate yeah. consciousness. But, but like that, that area you're talking about is, I say it, it, it's, 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 it's more fun. Like going five grams before five, six grams deep isn't necessarily fun. No, you know what no, I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's work. Cause there's yeah. a, there's a, like a real serious vibration going on where it's like, holy shit. Like, you know, most of the time at that, at, at that dose, you're probably going to have an ego death yeah. or at least some sort of ego dissolution. Yeah. Um, but you know, the gram, the gram and a half type of, of, of play, there's no really no ego death with that. But I, I feel like you, you you can still be in that real world like you're talking about. You can still be on the beach with your friends connecting. It's like a communal type of thing. Mm -hmm. But then there's like, there's just like, you're able to draw ideas easier and retain them. I yes. think that's, the, you know, maybe that's part of it. It's just like we're able to retain it because you're kind of playing in both worlds instead yeah. of just being like, you know, five, six grams, like you're fully, you're not in the physical body totally. anymore. Like you're not, I yeah. mean, you're just completely in this, in the spirit, in the spiritual world there. But um, I, I really yeah, hope, it's, it's I really hope that when they, start like rolling out like different trip centers and different things. You know, one of the things I talked about in my last episode is just how I feel like there's a real need for, like there's different types of healing for different things. If you're, if you're feeling very separated and isolated from the world, tripping with other people might be actually exactly what you need in, in, oh, yeah. in a joyful way, in a, in a communal way, in a way that feels there's so many people are lacking, like honestly fun and play and joy. Like there's nothing wrong with that. If it's mindful, right. There's always, yeah. It's always about consciousness, right? Are you doing anything? Are you doing, are you choosing to have fun today and like spend time with your friends? Like just do it from a place, um, yeah, conscious, conscious decision-making. And I think when they win, cause I'm going to say it's, that's going to happen. That, that kind of gram and a half, even like two grams, if you really want to all be like tripping together and like be on that wavelength where you can, where you're part of a group though, you're like talking, maybe there's music, there's art like you guys are yeah. interacting together like i feel like that is going to be such a a fun space that we're going to start hearing about more where it's like oh yeah here's the human connection dose where you get to giggle and have some fun and still and and uh, for listeners you can still it can go a little sideways at that dose too it's not like you need to have a macro oh, yeah. dose and you know, you can absolutely get in your head still on that dose if you're in your head. So I don't want it to be like this. Yeah, this is the fun space. But I do think that is the that is the more social, probably the more social space going forward. Social space. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like, you know, and I always compare it like the, with the psychedelic space to like cannabis because I've been in cannabis since I retired and, you know, seen the space evolve and is 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 that like we can't ignore the culture of plant medicine and, you know, it's entirety, right. You can't, the, the culture of cannabis where it's like, you know, there's something sacred ar around 
communal cannabis use with, with people and that's the connection you're, you're talking about and the same thing goes with, with mushrooms like yep. people have you know, eaten mushrooms in, in larger groups for a long period of time it's not always under the guise of a shaman yeah like exactly. and, I, and i absolutely love the whole you know guided shamanic way of using mushrooms or other plant medicines because it's a different type of space but i don't think it's necessary all the time for everybody and i guess that's where i always cross over from you know, the world of true medical to, and I don't even love using the word recreational because that means that it has no medicinal value or therapeutic or spiritual value. Like I feel we have to re- rephrase that term, but 100%. we'll use recreational just because people can connect with that word. You know, so there's like these, these two worlds and like, like just like cannabis, all cannabis is medicinal and therapeutic. All yeah. mushrooms, and whether you do it with your friends on the beach or with your friends in the house or by yourself with a shaman. I mean, it's all medicinal, therapeutic, and, and, and you know, spiritual. So I think like to, to preserve the culture of plant medicine, we can't like, you know, box it up and say, this is the only way we have to use it. And this is the, you know, this is the way we're setting the protocols. I see that. It's happening a lot. Right now it's happening. Like, well, it's a lot of pharma driven, like pharma, psycho, you know, psychotherapy, psychedelic mm-hmm. companies that are, they're trying to like generate, you know, rip off the indigenous ways. And then now, now they're coming in and playing God. And now they're, you know, they're creating, creating these protocols. But there's something to be said about what exactly what you said is like these different layers uh, uh, of use. And they fall into maybe more of that recreational setting. Yeah, I, I call it, I call it spirit. Like a, it's like a more of a spiritual setting. It's not medical. It's, it's like, even though it is, but like, you know, you, you have the opportunity to laugh like, like yeah. laughing is laughter is the best medicine, right? hundred percent. Mushrooms, you can giggle forever. Exactly. You know, off something silly, like what's wrong with that? Exactly. It's. It, it, yeah. I would say go further and say that's exactly what we need right now. Like, Which we need exactly what you know, we need right now. There's there's this I think a, a misconception that all healing has to be hard and tough work, and yeah, that's definitely in there. There's there's the tears will come too, and when that's yeah. needed. But so much of you know to feel wonder, you know, to feel yeah. connected to childlike joy. To feel Joy. all of that, like that's a that's our birthright to feel that, and hundred percent. A lot of people don't, and so just to I think I think you're right. I think it's just like this reframing around that word recreational because that that implies mindlessness or like it doesn't matter or you know like whatever. It's it's not a it's not a big deal, and I you know and look I'm I'm somebody like that is definitely more on the liberal side of things. Like I've gone to, I've gone to festivals and I've taken LSD. And the thing is, that's obviously, it's very, that's probably the most prevalent, right? That you would think of a, that's who's been using the LSD out here, like is people that are going to festivals, right? Like they're going into a lot of like dance stuff. And, you know, I would say like, I would, if I was going to just talk to a lot of those people, I'd be like, they'd be like, that is therapy. That is church for them, you know, like to feel that. And I think we would all do a little better if we didn't throw around our judgment over the way in which somebody consumes whatever they need. Cause I, that's where I'm feeling. Cause I see it even from like all sides of the psychedelic world, which is like, if you try to associate fun and psychedelics together, like you're not doing it right. I'm like, "Mm, don't tell me what I am doing and doing not right. You have no idea 100%. what that is doing for me. You have no idea like how that can get people through their day, through their, their week, through their job is that kind of experience. So 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I get in pissing matches with people all the time and a lot in like the, the psychedelic space because I feel like the psychedelic space seems to be more rigid as far as like <laughs> philosophies on it than even like, you know, than, than cannabis, obviously. But you got a lot of people, first of all, you got a lot of people that have never tried a psychedelic that want to tell you or tell the, the industry how how these things work. Right. And then you got, you know, psychotherapists that potentially have never tried a, a psychedelic either. And they're reading, you know, all kinds of literature about it. And I was yeah. like, God damn, if you've never even tried a psychedelic and you want to talk about it, like you're like, a, you're like, a, it's like a baby trying to explain to you like an adult thing. Like, right. no, I don't want to hear it from you. It's like, totally. it's like, like we're getting health advice from someone that doesn't practice health and wellness. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear it because it doesn't make any sense. Yep. Um, but like, like there's almost like there's this discrimination based on like what you said as far as like how you want to use it. I think that's like preserving the culture and not having it tainted by pharma or tainted by you know uh, Wall Street or and you see it with cannabis too. Like it's just the same thing. It's like you got this extreme OG culture of cannabis and now it's probably gone way too extreme recreational. There's not a whole lot of mindful spiritual cannabis use, other medical or extreme recreational. But I want to see the same thing with, you know, say I, my, my relationships with mushrooms mainly. I've done the ayahuasca thing in Peru, but I know mushroom is the best and, yeah. and, 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 and really staying true to the intelligence of the mushroom. But, you know, being able to openly talk about the, these different dimensions of responsible, that, that's always the key, right? Sure. Responsible, yeah. respectful psilocybin use. And, and, and there's so many different spaces to play in that. And, and I would like to see it be normalized enough where, it's okay to do all the things you're talking about. It's okay to eat two grams of the beach and, and, and chill out and, 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 you know, take on the energy of the sun and everything around you totally. and, 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 and love that and yeah. appreciate that versus having to go into a clinical setting all the time mm-hmm. to appreciate the, the, the intelligence of the mushroom, which to me doesn't make a ton of sense, no. uh, you know, long term. And people have been using mushrooms forever yeah. and not many of them have been using them under the, the, the guidance of a shaman. I have, but I have, you know, the luxury of doing that, but most people don't, yeah. you know, and it's just like, they just like, that's the beauty of, of intuition, first of all, right, mm-hmm. is like, the, you know, which we've failed to kind of tap into as a human species, yeah. like, we've just like lost sight of intuition. It's just yeah. like, let's just like, experience this and see where it goes, you know, yeah. obviously, with some sort of like structure, but like, it's not that complicated, yeah. but it requires some, some, some bit of leaning on intuition and and some bit of just you know taking a leap of faith yeah. i mean you know because people are scared and i think that's the biggest thing with psychedelics too is like the you know the the, the ability to help address fear exactly. or fear of death but fear of like everything like yeah. it just kind of it helps really kind of like pinpoint maybe where some of your fears and blockages are co- are coming from you mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. and that's just like self you know being human self-exploration i think exactly. that's the beautiful thing of these things is not you're not putting them in a box and saying this is how you have to you know yeah. use them but you know intention and set and setting obviously like those are really really important but yeah. then the dose and what you're trying to accomplish is is another thing so i mean yeah, like let, let people play yeah with do it, your homework you know? and then let adults make the best decision for themselves i just very very strongly believe that and it's so interesting about you saying about intuition i think this is probably the healing as a society that people need to do because i remember saying to a guy friend and I said, trust your intuition. And he said, I'm a guy. I don't have intuition or something like that. And I thought, I was like, everyone has intuition. We have male and female equally. I mean, 
one might be yeah. more dominant, but we we hold the masculine and feminine with that we are whole. And I, sure. it was just if if I heard one person say that, that means that other people and perhaps men like, oh, only women have that. Basically, I was like, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 that's not true. The voice that is whispering in your head, the thing that you think you know that you should do, but you just don't want to do that. Like that's intuition. You just might not go with it, but like that's what it is. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this because it's like one of my favorite things to talk about. But it really it kind of reflects on what's going on in in this world today, right? I mean, it's it's very clear, very clear since COVID's hit, anyways. But it was clear before that for me, anyways, that we we become spiritually poor. We're like I said it earlier. We're so we're so disconnected, and when you're that disconnected, there is no intuition anymore, right? Yeah. Because it's like you you don't have any faith. Uh, on leaning on you know the divine healing mechanism that this this body and mind is right yeah. i mean we've just lost sight of that so we become we become a slave and dependent on some other entity which lands up being government or pharma right because it's like well i don't have enough power to heal so i have to like you know outsource my energy somewhere else to to, to heal and you mentioned it earlier but like joy and, and like, you know, going almost going back to like to being like a kid again is like mm -hmm. joy, play, playfulness, mm -hmm. creativity, mm -hmm. you know, what we've lost. Like I've studied shamanism and, and essentially live, you know, a shamanic life as well as a, a, a yogic life. It's a lot of the same thing. It's preserving power, finding energy leaks, but like tapping into these types of things. It's it's intuition. It's creativity. And, and the more you understand this and the more, you know, the more you heal, the more creative you become the more intuitive you become. And then yeah. you can keep going down those paths and you can essentially accumulate more superpowers as, as you grow, right? 100%. But you had to shed the old and you got to eliminate. Part of the healing is to not just like add, it's mostly, it's it's removing, detaching. Yes. It's getting rid of the shit that don't no longer serves you. Mm -hmm. And then all these other things open up. You become more creative. You become more playful. You become more joyful. Like everything is just, is easier and you're able to, you know, move around in life with ease. Yes. It's like wise effort, you know, yeah. versus like, you know, being rigid and 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 gripping on life and and then and then not having any sort of intuition to maybe tap in, like meditate a little bit on what questions you might have and maybe like listen, you know, tune in and listen. Like, yeah. you know, but oh you know, we gotta go outsource our information. We gotta go to Google, we gotta ask somebody else, and then we're always unsure. And then we're not sure again. And then we got to go to the doctor and we're still not sure, but we'll still yeah. pump those drugs down our throats. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's such a disconnect and that yeah. just kind of leads to the next disconnection. And then it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's like you're chasing your tail all it, the time. It really is. It, it, it just takes with little steps of like trust. You know, I think trust is like, you hear trust and surrender a lot, not only in a psychedelic trip, but just that's like a, a life principle of just, I mean, it really comes down to first, we don't trust ourselves. And right. the first aspect you know the first bit is like you know what to do the the truth is like nobody knows what to do but you and that is scary when you think about it because we think of ourselves as very fallible but yeah. the truth is there is only you can sure there's nothing wrong with if you want to outsource some information this and that but ultimately no one is going to know but you and it's gonna that's where that especially if you've been hitting a lot of walls right? You keep hitting roadblocks. Everybody's trying to tell you what to do. You're, you're trying to take their advice. You've known the whole time what you think you should have done and the, probably the likelihood that you eventually end up there. And I'm like, that's, that's just take the path of least resistance, but it takes that little bit of faith. It takes an act of faith to just be like, 
all right, this might fuck everything up, but like, this is what my gut is saying. And more times than not, it's, it's going to lead you to where you need to go because 100%. it's also just incredibly disempowering for us in a world that we're always like touting, like being in your power and, and being a leader and all this stuff. I'm like, we really do bleed our energy and give it away like <laughs> very quick to anybody oh, yeah. else besides ourselves. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That's like one thing I love, just like love talking about, but I also like really appreciate living is, is, is preserving that power and, you know, and really like doing exactly what we're talking about here is just being aware of our energy leaks and, be, being more accountable, right? You're responsible. Once you're accountable, you're responsible. And, and then, and then, and just listening, right? It, I think most people resist that gut feeling. If they, if they even have that gut feeling, that in, intuition come in, is because it, it's it's challenging, right? It's like, okay, well, if the gut feeling tells you to maybe quit your job because it's not serving any longer, well, it's like, well, now you got fear of the unknown. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's easy to stay comfortable. And you see this in relationships all the time. You know, you don't want to do it because it's like it's going to create a little bit of chaos in your life. But, you know, little do you know, on the other side of that decision is is maybe more peace and, and healing and serenity and whatever, all that good stuff. But it takes balls and takes that, you know, that it, it takes courage to to listen to intuition because it's not, you know, intuition tells you not what you want to hear, but what you need <laughs> yeah. to hear. Right. And totally. it's like, OK, well, shit, I got to make a change in my life. Oh, man, I got to. I got to lose hundred pounds. Oh, thanks. Thanks intuition. Right. You know, it's like, oh, I don't, but I don't want to do it because it requires effort. It requires, you know, responsibility, accountability and, and self-discipline. And I think that's the challenge for most people. We just want like the magic pill for everything, like the magic weight loss pill, the magic, mm-hmm. you know, this pill, the magic anti-inflammatory, you know, we don't want to do the work, but part of doing the work is gaining these superpowers along the way, which is, is being able to be more sovereign, right? Yeah. And to be able to like really be tapped into the divine and energy network that's uh, that that we're a part of. You yeah. know, most people don't really understand. So. Absolutely, you're so right. It's uh, <laughs> that's the other thing about intuition. A lot of times, you're like, but I don't like that advice. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> My, mushroom, can you show me some other? Yeah, advice? like how about some other like choices? That. Like, is there like an A, B, C here that could I choose from? But uh, yeah, right. yeah, it usually doesn't work <laughs> like that, unfortunately. Uh, no. So my final question is, let's talk about some of your projects. You've got Body Check Wellness. I know you're working with Wake Networks. What are you up to? What's lighting you up right now? Tell us. Yeah, so I'm just become obsessed with the brain, you know, and, and the brain in the sense of like the Western context of healing the brain. I'm, I'm actually more fascinated with the spiritual, but I, I think I need to work through the body and the mind first, and then really my message might resonate a little better. But the brain specifically, since I've been punched in the face several thousand times and, yeah. you know, several concussions and really kind of what got me into this world was, you know, having, you know, head trauma and TBI and whatnot. So I always go with like, like through the physical body, through the brain and outwards, but uh, brain health. So, you know, cannabinoids as neuroprotectant, anti-inflammatories, the same thing with mushrooms, whether you're talking about psilocybin or lion's mane or, you know, reishi or some of these other ones that have, you know, regenerative re- regeneration properties, uh, you know, they're amazing for you know, the, the gut and then the immune system. So obsessed with the gut, right? The, the immune system, the gut, and then, then the, the main connection to the brain, which mm-hmm. from what I've learned is the gut is the main brain. This is just the processor. People would probably dispute me on that, but no, it seems to be very true. You know, the whole food and mood connection. Mm-hmm. So between cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and really promoting, you know, mental health and brain health, 
and then leaning into the mushrooms, whether they're functional, legal, therapeutic ones or, or psilocybin mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all on board and trying to normalize this. And then again, those are just tools around the practice. I need to integrate all those into some sort of practice. It doesn't have to be yoga, but I think like yoga is easy in the sense that it's it's a very, very specific, detailed practice of physical physical mind and spirit breath, right? I mean, all the elements that you you would need to really, you know, live a healthy life. But Wake's got some really interesting stuff going on. I'm not sure how familiar you are with them. But you know, they're they're really focused on uh, obviously the the brain psychotherapy, but uh, traumatic brain injury, which we're putting together a, a study with athletes, and they're cultivating psilocybin mushrooms in Jamaica and doing the clinical immersions. Mm -hmm. But they're a tech company as well. So really, really, focusing in on like brain waves and changes in mm-hmm. brain like pre during post the whole bit uh, they recently announced a partnership with the Lieber institute which is the largest largest database of genetically profiled brains i think over 100 different brains for essentially every type of uh, brain issue that you could find on the wow. sun so really really targeting you know brain health uh, as we know that's what you know psychedelics are really known for is the is the is the mental and the mind the regeneration, the recovery. So I'm obsessed with all that. And, and then, you know, again, slowly but surely tying in all the medical, you know, because we, we live in a, in, a, in a world where everyone just wants to see data yeah. and the medical thing, all those buckets checked off. But I really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more fascinated with the, the mystical component of, of these, these compounds, because to me, like I said earlier in this, in this conversation, like most of these medical buckets that we're talking about outside of maybe traumatic brain injury, because that's like, obviously, from, from a, a s- specific yeah. you know, <laughs> situation, these are these are spiritual issues, yeah. you know, and I think all the things we're talking about with the lack of intuition, and the lack of creativity, and lack of joy, those are all connected to spirituality. So really, I would love to really see some sort of focus on the spiritual component. I know Wake is doing that, but really under the guise of medical and the brain. Recently, also, they got the first ever DEA import license for biological psilocybin mushrooms in the US, which is, which is you know, say a big step. You know, mm-hmm. ironically, there's only like there's two DEA cultivation licenses in the U.S., but the fact that you actually have to import them from Jamaica to study them, they're engaging in the first ever biological clinical trial, a biological mushroom clinical trial, because as you probably know, most, I say most, all of the, the data collected from, from Johns Hopkins University around psilocybin research has all been synthetic, synthetic psilocybin. Yeah. So I'm trying to stay true to the biological mushroom and the intelligence of the whole mushroom, because I mean, this is probably for a whole other uh, conversation, but you know, I'm a huge believer in, in, in holism, right? I mean, you see this in the cannabis space, like they call it the entourage effect, mm-hmm. right? It's like all the cannabinoids work to work better together than just isolating THC or CBD yeah. or whatever. You know, the terpenes act with the, the the cannabinoids and and vice versa. The same thing with mushrooms. Mushrooms are prebiotic prebiotics. Mm-hmm. They're amazing for the gut and amazing for the immune system. And that's why they work so well with the brain. But outside of the psilocybin compound, there's all kinds of other compounds yeah. and alkaloids within within the mushroom that are, are offering whether a direct, you know, connection to the actual psilocybin experience or just, you know, subtly helping heal the gut and helping healing the brain. So I'm trying to really stay true to the, the biological mushroom. Not that I'm opposed to the pharma model. I think yeah. it's already being exploited. It could serve its purpose, but, you know, so I'm just trying to you know, speak for the trees and, and, and stand up for Mother Nature. Really. For sure. And you're going to have people, people are going to want both, right? Like there's going to yeah. be people that want that synthesized in a lab. They know exactly, you know, what it is. And I'm sure once you go through the whole process, it's going to be like that with the fruiting body anyway. But 
that natural path is great. And I'm going to be very curious to see what the, what the difference of the research is, if they're finding, if they're finding differences. I had a guest actually, who she works a lot with Iboga and, and was really kind of talking about then the difference between Ibogaine as an alkaloid. Now I know this is a little bit different, but from a spiritual sense, she's a, she's just a very spiritual person. She just was like, it's the, the spirit of the whole, like kind of you're saying the whole root in that case of the Iboga root. And yeah, I'm, I'm very much like that too. I, whenever I take mushrooms, I'm always like, I'll hold them and I'll close my eyes and just kind of like set an intention and yeah. ask them questions. And like, just, yeah, because it's also just like, something just very special about you're like, this mushroom grew at this time for me to be ingested. Like, it's just cool. Like nobody's going to have this exact experience like I'm going to have right now. Yeah. And it's almost like tailored, tailored for me. Like, thank you for growing for this moment in time. And um, that's cool. I love the approach that you guys are taking. So if you, if you, if you understand like the mycelium network with mushrooms mm-hmm. and like, yeah, like the integral part of like the network below our feet in the soil and understand, you know, how mushrooms and fungi work, it's like it only makes sense and how it's re- rewiring the brain is like this is like this is it like this is like this is you talk about regeneration and you know and how it you know for if a tree falls and dies and how the mushrooms kind of help regenerate this back into the soil and there's this kind of like this is constantly evolving uh, ecosystem but you take that you know that 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 type of like thinking into the brain is like there's no wonder why the mushrooms work so so well not saying that you can't have a psychedelic experience with with synthesized or LSD. Obviously, you can, but I think like the long the, the longer term impact of the experience, from what I've learned and experienced, that the, the mushroom offers that because there's other compounds there. If you're trying to heal the brain, you got to heal the gut. You can't, you, you know, what I mean, you you have you have to be real with this conversation. You can't just be like all in on one because it's convenient for your investment group. Totally, you know, that I mean? like you have to be real with this and like. And I know mushrooms to be extremely beneficial to the gut flora. Like I said, they brief the prebiotics. So like if you're, if you're treating any brain issue, you're treating the gut first. Yeah. You can't, you can't bypass that. You can't just put in all these acidic type of, you know, compounds in your, in your stomach, in your stomach and, and then expect to get long-term brain results. Yeah. You'll get a four or five hour yeah. hallucination. There's no question. You probably have some good downloads there too. Then after the fact, you know, we're always talking about long-term. Yeah. Otherwise, if there's no long-term benefit and, and there's no practice on the post like it just lands up being a memory it was a cool experience but that's it's all a memory totally. it's not really part of you know your your healing so no, that's absolutely true I, lo- I love that from the i didn't realize how much of an effect it had on gut flora and like what a what a great i mean this is the whole conversation i think that everyone should be having is so much around like you're saying like food is medicine like what we're putting in our bodies like not just the psychedelics like it's to really like treat your body like a temple. I know it's like such a joke to say that, but like this is our only vessel in this lifetime, at least that we get to be this person. Like it's up to us how well it ages and how well it functions and how well, if you want to do all the fun stuff, you got to keep it. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful divine machine that needs our help also. And I think I think you're right. Just looking at it from all of those points, and and obviously consuming not just the magic mushrooms, but uh, the also the medicinal mushrooms. Because I did have my shaga this morning. Before, there you go. Before yeah, this, yeah. so I'm ready. 
<laughs> yeah, build, building that immune system up. That's you right. know, you talk about immunity, and like you know, when you hear the word immunity, it's like that's a that's a superpower on its own. Look at look at the world we're living in right now, I where we're, we're giving away our natural divine immunity to pharma. Yep. You know, and that's yeah. a, it's a scary thing. Once you start giving that away, you take away, you put the mask on, you take away the breath. Now, now you're screwing with the, the, the spirituality of people big time if they haven't already. Mm-hmm. You take away plant medicine, then you put people in prison for them, and you, and you screw with the food industry, and you put all this artificial food on the, in the shelf, and then you start taking away people's ability to see people's faces, you mask them up, and then you know now we're giving away our natural immunity. But you know, there's, they're, they're, they, they come hand in hand, the immune yeah. system and the gut, and the immune system and the gut, and then the brain, and then the brain function, and then it's just like, if you, can, if you can wrap your head around the, sim- the simplicity of it, even though it's com- it's complex in the sense of just being disciplined with it, yeah. that you know the healing is like it's 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 a never ending. You're always, you're always kind of repairing, regenerating, and healing. But mm-hmm. like you could take your spiritual journey to that next level because you've got like the cornerstones of health taken care of. And then, yeah. then it's like you said, it's like if you want to live a joyful, fun life. You don't want to be sick and in and out of the hospital all the time. You want to be like fully functional, your body operating, you know, as, as best as it possibly can, your mind being sharp and your spirit, everything's connected. You know, if yeah. you could, if you could find that, or at least part of that, like, that's the you're disconnect. Well no, that's the disconnect. That is the disconnect it, right. When you're, when you're abusing your body, you're not spiritually well, typically right. not, right. not, I'm not, I won't blink at that, but for the most part, I know I've been in times in my life where I've definitely been abusing my body because I wasn't, in a place where I was particularly happy and I didn't really care. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do blow and drink tonight and like do whatever. And like, I think I want whatever the justification is because I'm just not happy with like every, the way things are going right now. And like, let me just take myself out of this present moment. And right. you know, there's that, that connection. Like the more I, yeah, feel good emotionally mentally and spiritually everything else follows, you know, like trashing yeah. my body then does not make sense when I'm like, out here trying to when I actually feel like oh that lowers my spirit you know that actually lowers how I connect and view the world and I see the direct correlation to my joy even with food yeah it's amazing isn't it yeah Yeah. alignment is so powerful once you're aligned not that like not that the universe is going to like start handing you you know the easy the easy buttons but life seems to be a lot more manageable and you can manage you can you're kind of roam through life with a little more ease there's obviously always going to be stressors and like yeah. you know roadblocks and stuff, but I feel like you can navigate those a lot easier when you're when you're aligned and that's what you're talking about. Just like life is just easier, it's just more enjoyable versus yeah. I want to you know mf everybody be like oh that's and that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like you're constantly rigid and you're constantly uptight because you think that the work the universe is working against you. Yeah. And when you start like to look and self reflect, you'd be like, wow, I'm just like working uh, against the, the laws of mother nature. I'm not working with the universe. I'm working against her. So she's obviously going to, you know, throw some banana peels and I'm not going to be happy about them. So yeah. If you're um, somebody saying like, this always happens to me, she's like, okay, well, it's going to keep happening. If you think so, yeah. like, I'm just, your wish is my command. Like we right? be careful exactly. about what we think. Anyway, Riley, yeah. this was such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people work with you, find you online, socials? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram, RileyCote32. Same thing for Twitter, RileyCote.com. Kind of you know, a little bit of everything I'm doing. Wake is, you know, the, the mushroom company, I'm advisor, investor mm-hmm. in body check wellness. But yeah, probably just go to my, main, my, my own main pages and kind of see what I'm up to. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for being here again and sharing your wisdom. I'm sure everybody 
had a great time hearing first about the enforcer days right into a complete alignment and what you're doing personal life and your spiritual life and your professional life now. So very cool. Thank you. This is great. Appreciate it. Awesome. And for everyone, as always, trip on this.